This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. And welcome to the show. My name is Adam, and Jay Baker joins me on the telephone. Jay, how are you this evening? Hey, I am doing well. I'm looking forward to another exciting Adam Rich show. And I wanted to uh, congratulate everyone who took part in some sort of uh, giving tree and or um, feed the hungry program uh, during the holiday season. Uh, canned good drives, the rest, uh, toy drives, uh, fill the box, toys for tots, all that stuff. Uh, just a fantastic holiday season with so much time, money, and effort given, uh, time and treasure uh, from the heart of, uh, of Americans uh, across the country to help uh, some people's holiday season be a little brighter. Uh, and I wanted to give a special shout out to the crew at Vibonomics. They are uh, actually our underwriter of this program. You can learn more about them at Vibonomics.com. But they uh, recently had a, uh, a corporate-wide, uh, I guess, uh, initiative. And they worked with a company called, or a charity called, Hashtag Lunchbag. It's a program benefiting Horizon House to make sure um, people get fed over the holiday season. And the uh, employees of Vibonomics helped to pack 200 lunches for Hashtag Lunchbag. So we always enjoy it when uh, when corporate uh, giving happens. Uh, if you work for a company that uh, you know, at least once a quarter gets together and takes half a day off to give uh, back to the community. Hats off to you. And if you work for a company that doesn't do that, bring that up to your uh, HR director or your operations manager or somebody. Say, you know what, we should we should do a little bit more in our community to help out. So congratulations to everybody that uh, took part in something like that over the holiday season. Hopefully, uh, Jay, you had a wonderful holiday. This is our uh, final show of 2022 and or the first show of 2023, depending on when our stations air it. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe we've reached the end of a year. And, uh, you know, it's it's been exciting to do this show. Time just sort of flies on by, doesn't it? It, it really does. So uh, thank you for joining me uh, in making this uh uh, what it is uh, for the year, and we would obviously like to thank all of our uh, affiliates for airing the show and being uh, part of our family. Now, I know it's past Christmas, and I know you are Mr. Movie, so this question won't have the pertinence it might have had two weeks ago, but everybody, almost everybody I know, has a go-to must-see Christmas movie. And it's, you know, everybody can make a list, but what's the one that you absolutely have to see during the holidays? Scrooged with Bill Murray. Oh, that's, that's a brilliant version of a Christmas Carol. Yeah. And uh, so well done. And only Bill Murray could have pulled that off. It, it is such a great movie. And and I feel, you know, <laughs> I have to be honest with you. You said, what's the one movie I have to watch? That's it. And guess what? I haven't seen it yet this season. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. So I have well, to watch it. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. That's funny. Well, and for me, it always used to be White Christmas. 
And believe it or not, <laughs> White Christmas was one of the most popular films on Netflix. So it's a film that still holds people's attention. You know, I think it's kind of up there with, uh, you know, what is it? A Wonderful Life and, you know, the ones that uh, the yes. Christmas story that Miracle people, you know, on 34th go Street. To. Yeah, so it's in the ultra traditional one, but uh, yeah, I think White Christmas kind of holds up, and I was pleased to see that other people enjoy that movie as well. But yeah, I just had to ask because I know you are Mr. Movie, but it is uh, probably not surprising that you selected uh, a more comedic uh, film as opposed to the more sentimental film. You know, I always have to watch um, Christmas Vacation with my kids. We always watch Elf. That's always a... A crowd pleaser. Um, you, you know, we did just watch, Melissa and I saw White Christmas uh, just a few days ago for the first time ever. We She mentioned- Oh, I'll be darned. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad. What did you think? Well, she said, you know what? Like Last year, we on Christmas night, we watched It's a Wonderful Life. And so that started our tradition of uh, every Christmas night, we're going to watch a Christmas classic. And we hadn't, uh, we've we discovered neither one of us had seen White Christmas, so we watched it. Oh. And uh, it, it, <laughs> I got to tell you, first of all, I loved it uh, because Good. I, lo- I, I love the I love the nostalgia. You know, I love the sure. old costumes, old Hollywood. I mean, that movie uh, the the movie took place in 1944, but it was made in 1954. So talk about just classic Hollywood. And the, the but the confusing thing was what you know after the the opening scene where Bing Crosby sings a, a very shortened small version of White Christmas um, on the battlefield, then the movie goes into this uh, a non holiday mode until <laughs> for the next hour and a half. It, yeah, they didn't really mention Christmas or the holidays. <laughs> For another no. 90 minutes until the very end of the movie when they sing White Christmas again. But how was Danny Kaye going to dance if they if they kept it all Christmas? You know that. Well, I, I figured there'd be at least some mistletoe or some eggnog <laughs> or something uh, through the movie. But it was it was more so about their uh, their war buddies. It was a war movie film. More it than, was kind uh, of a war yeah. movie. And, but I loved <laughs> Didn't you love the, the traditional nightclub, you know, because they'd go into those nightclubs and, you know, the f- seven-piece orchestra is on stage. And people are dancing, and I, I, just, I find it just absolutely captivating. There's so much there to unpack, and the choreography, and like you said, there's a lot going on. Well, there the- really is. As you said, it starts out as a nostalgic, feel-good Christmas on the battlefront, then it morphs into this performance piece. Then it morphs back into a holiday movie at the end, the but, last 20 minutes. But that final scene, uh, when they're all dressed in red, little Santa suits, singing White Christmas, I mean, uh, it brought a tear to my eye. It did. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I like about it, too. It is so nostalgic. It is uh, an emotional moment at the end. So good. I'm glad that you finally got a chance to yeah. see it. And I, I did annoy read, everybody I know by forcing them to watch it with me. So. I, I did read that the snow at the end of the movie was pure asbestos. So I don't know uh, how many people it took out over the next 10 years, but, uh, you know, old Hollywood. <laughs> Sadly, Bing has passed on, so we don't know if that contributed to his demise it, or not. It may have. 
Uh, uh, well, this is also bowl game season, and I know you have to be excited. Your alma mater will be participating in a bowl game this year, though about mid-season, I'm sure you guys were questioning whether that would happen or not. Uh, not sure if you've checked out any of this year's bowl games, but once again, it's a rich uh, tableau of games with great names like, uh, well, give you an example of uh, one of the games that will be played this week prior to the airing of the show is called the Pinstripe Bowl. And I don't know if you're familiar with that particular bowl game. All I know is that it takes place in uh, Yankee Stadium. That is correct. That's kind of a cool venue that they're actually going to play it in Yankee Stadium. And yes, that's, uh, I think with bowl games, in my personal opinion, unless you're playing in the national championship, which does require, you know, big stadiums because of the big fan bases, I think what makes the bowl games fun is they play in stadiums and in arenas and areas that you wouldn't ordinarily see. Uh, and in fact, as you go through some of the place names like Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida, uh, not one that leaps to mind, but it is a, a, a regular stadium. You know, the thing I love about bowl season is, and a lot of people make fun of the uh, sponsors to the point of, the, you know, these sponsors have, have they, they sure. name the bowl now. So what, you know, what used to be um, the, the Citrus Bowl is now the Cheez-Its Citrus Bowl. Correct. And um, and, and some of these uh, bowls, uh, with that example, have, have lost the word citrus, and they're just called the Cheez-It Bowl. Uh, but, you know, th- that's an example of a bowl that kept its original name, added the sponsor to the to the naming rights of the game. But uh, the, the thing that, that we enjoy on this show is that, you know, a company like Cheez-Its will, will come through at either halftime or at the end of the game – with that giant Happy Gilmore check to give yes. to charity. So, you know, it is a marketing opportunity for them to reach millions of viewers, of course, and that's what they're paying for. But then they also turn around and have some great corporate giving uh, and, and give to charity. I, I'm not uh, sure who's going to benefit from the Cheez-Its Citrus Bowl, or the, there is also a Cheez-It Bowl, to be honest with you. <laughs> so Cheez-Its, yes. double No, dipping. you're absolutely correct. So, yeah, Cheez-Its, well, and Dr. Pepper is well known. Uh, in fact, they'll oftentimes, uh, Dr. Pepper involved with the national championship, they'll have some type of halftime competition with a couple of, uh, you know, aspiring college students, and they're competing actually for scholarship money. Have yeah. you seen that activity? They do that. So you're right. It's corporate largesse. But it is helping. So what we're going to do is uh, for next week, um, for next week's show, the uh, the bowl season will be complete. Um, let's challenge each other to do a little a little research to find out what kind of corporate giving happened from these sponsors oh, yes. during Capital One Bowl season. Well, um, it's funny you brought that up because as I was looking through this, I thought you would be amused, but you already knew. Uh, my favorite name this year so far is the Duke's Mayo Bowl, <laughs> yeah. which will happen on December 30th with NC State versus Maryland. This is also a chance for you to see some of these schools, uh, you know, famously West Coast schools, their games don't start until like 
10.30 or 11 p.m. Eastern time. So unless you're just one of those night owls, you never get a chance to see some of these teams play, you know? Well, I have to tell you, I'm a Big Ten college football fan, and I I watched uh, recently the Wisconsin Bowl game, which started at 10.15 p.m. Eastern time. And I was up until almost 2 a.m. watching that game. And uh, young Adam was thinking, this is great, college football, late night. And then uh, by the middle of the third quarter, uh, current day Adam was thinking, maybe I should just tape the rest of this and go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Next day, Adam said, why did I do that to myself? Oh, yeah. my gosh. Uh, so disrupted my circadian rhythm, you know. So we'll do, we'll do you know, I will commit. I'm going to do a little bowl, bowl season research and, um, and see what kind of money was raised for who from what company. Uh, and you know, and that'll keep them on their toes, so they know they they're just not paying for uh, advertising. They've they've got to be part of the holiday season as well. Absolutely. Hey, here's kind of an interesting note. Uh, you know, the IRS rules change uh, frequently, and that's why uh, we really recommend uh, unless you have super simple taxation. You know, you make uh, five bucks, and you know, you pay a dollar twenty five in taxes, unless it's that simple for you, please get a tax advisor of some kind because it can be really complicated. They changed the rules again to donating stock to charity. So if you have uh, the mechanism in your uh, portfolio that you have stock, you can actually give it to charity. They changed the rules um, and they've changed the rules a lot on giving in general. And as always, don't take tax advice from us. <laughs> See your tax advisor. But I thought that that was kind of cool because we've always kind of encouraged on this show uh, philanthropy in all different forms. So if this is something that speaks to you, definitely check it out. Very good. I like it. Thank you. Now, uh, of course, this will be the time of year that everybody makes New Year's resolutions. And I have now the official list the top 10 most common resolutions. I am ready. And uh, I, I would say number number one uh, has to be lose weight or, or get healthier. And, and, a, that is and correct. number two has to be uh, some sort of financial, like, like getting your finances in order or getting out of debt. Yes. Uh, actually, yours comes in at number six, but you are correct. That well, is uh, definitely on the list. <laughs> you know what I just realized? I just realized that I, I just admitted to America that I'm A, overweight, and B, in debt. <laughs> this is where self-reflection meets public service. <laughs> yeah. Uh, three, I, I'd say your resolution it has to be be nicer to people. Oh, there, I just admitted I'm a jerk. That's so funny. The number one uh, one is uh, lose weight, and that seems to be a running theme here in America. Uh, it's ironic that uh, New Year's Day comes following a, a pretty joyous holiday bender where you start on Thanksgiving and eat continuously through Christmas. Yes, that has happened uh, through bowl season, uh, not just Christmas, <laughs> through New Year's Eve day and bowl season. Yeah, we try to be pretty careful here in the Baker household, and despite our best efforts, it was at times a carbohydrate fest. Even even the most well-meaning of people will succumb. You know how that goes. Yeah. 
<laughs> on the list on top of losing weight is exercise more. Get organized is number three. Learn a new skill or hobby. Uh, and this is kind of an interesting one because I think this is open to interpretation, but it makes sense. Live life to the fullest is on the list of top 10 New Year's resolutions. Now, that one is uh, so vague that I don't, you know, does it mean jump out of an airplane, uh, risk your life? Uh, the bucket list needs to get deeper. Um, well, what would you add is, if I asked Jay Baker, what's what does that mean to you? Live life to the fullest. What are you going to do? Well, it's interesting that, you, you know, you, you pointed that out because you're right. We do tend to think in terms of I need to control my spending. Doesn't sound like much fun, does it? Because you and I know the duh answer to control your spending is, well, just don't spend as much. The duh answer for lose weight is just don't eat as much. Those tend to be kind of not fun. You know, that's how we got in the situation we got in. L live life to the fullest makes it sound like discard all resolutions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes one through four <laughs> null and void. <laughs> yeah, get on the phone, make your friends drive you to a smorgasbord. That's what this says to me. Yeah, when I think of uh, living life to the fullest, um, you know, getting organized and losing weight does not, <laughs> does not go with that. No. And then no, you throw in number six. Organized. Number six yeah. is, uh, is be financially responsible and get out of debt. So you can combine those two and just say, yes. live life to the fullest on a reasonable budget. Absolutely. Uh, after number six is quit smoking. Uh, it's amazing that that's on there because I think smoking is one of those things you may or may not be around fellow smokers, but smoking is still a, a tough battle for a number of people. It's so different now with the amount of smokers and, and the access to smoking. I mean, think about 25, 30 years ago, every bar, every restaurant had smokers. Now it's, uh, I mean, I don't know if there's special county uh, provisions that allow smoking in, indoors somewhere, M maybe a casino somewhere. Uh, but yes, yeah, I think at the casinos, to, to, yeah. a, to a non-smoker, you think that smoking is doesn't happen anymore. Um, but yeah, it's still millions of people still battle with it. Oh, want, yes. want to quit doing it? Want to stop doing it? And, and have a trouble uh, quitting? So I can absolutely see that being on the top ten list. Spend more time with family and friends is on the list. Eh. Travel more. <laughs> yes, spend more time with family and friends. Eh. Who needs those people? They're just holding me back. Yeah, that's where I gain weight and spend money when I'm hanging out with family and friends. <laughs> They're the ones that got me in this mess to start with. Yeah. Uh, travel more, yeah. uh, which is something I think that uh, a lot of people, you know, it's so funny. I, I got an opportunity to uh, travel. Uh, over the holidays. And I, I kind of surprised myself. I thought I'd forgotten kind of how much fun it is to hop on a plane and be in a different location. And uh, I, cause I hadn't traveled for a while. I mean, obviously the pandemic uh, kind of, you know, impinged on a lot of people's travel plans, but uh, I was surprised. So travel more, I could kind of see that as a good resolution. I still get excited when I get to a hotel room. And not even, you know, when you if you go to the beach or you're going to a destination, uh, I'm just as excited to be in the hotel room as I am to be, you know, at the destination. 
uh, at the museum, at the beach, at the the, right. the, the new spot. So, uh, and I know uh, you know people that travel for a living hate hotels. They're maybe they're even disgusted by hotels. Uh, I, I certainly I don't want the bedbug hotel, but uh, you give me some clean sheets and a nice hotel room, and it just it's instant. It's instant vacation. I, I feel oh, great I'm when you. I'm on when I'm in a new hotel room, and then you go to, you go explore the resort, find out where the vending machines are. Oh, that's I, that's so much fun for me. <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. I I felt the same way. In fact, uh, the the place we stayed had king size beds and lots of pillows and. I was uh, watching football. Didn't take long. <laughs> it was pretty comfortable. Yeah, you, you know, you treat the bathroom like John Candy and planes, trains, and automobiles. You don't have to clean it up, and then you leave. No. You know what? I will say uh, on a serious note: if you if you do travel uh, and you you're just a mess, and you leave that hotel room uh, in disarray, put a five dollar bill on the counter for the uh, for the housekeeping crew. Uh, they deserve it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's a, a very uh, good idea to pay it forward for those that have to toil in the service industry. Uh, and then number 10 is read more. And I have a colleague who had suggested on Twitter uh, that he had uh, made a resolution for himself a few years back to read more. And then he got to the point where he was reading a book about every three to four days. Um, And, you know, I I will tell you that I personally had started a program for myself of reading a book a week, a few years back. And I try to stick with that. Uh, And a book a week is usually doable if you're working full time and you've got a full schedule. But you'll be surprised at how it will enrich your life, because at the end of a year's time, you've read 52 new books. That is uh, that seems like a huge commitment that I'm not certain I could pull that off. One book a week. uh, Children's books. I could do that. Um, (laughs) Yes. The the little train that could. uh, And you did that. You did 52 books in a year. Yeah, I've, in fact, I've been systematically doing that for a while, and part of it was uh, I had read an outstanding book, ironically, called The Library Book, and it, it was a candid look at the role of public libraries in our daily lives, and I thought, well, you know, this enriches the library. The library wants you to check out books and utilize the library, so... I purposely get library books and read one a week. That is impressive. I'm very impressed. Uh, I kind of like going to the library. It's a, it, it maybe sounds a little nerdish, but it's there's something about it. It's it's just that intangible. You know, even the library even has like a specific smell. You know, I don't know if it's like paste or wood or whatever, but it, there's there's just something about getting getting your hands on the actual book that is true it does have a smell it's those i think it's just, it's just pages it's acres and acres of pages in one uh, one building uh i i will say i like the snack bar at uh, a library you know <laughs> yes, they, they never good uh, snack bar. You know, when i was a kid there wasn't really a snack bar uh but now you go to any 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 library worth its salt has a snack bar with actual sure. like sandwiches and on ciabatta buns and I, I mean I like the snack bar. 
<laughs> See, there you go. You're combining two favorite things. You're reading more and snacking more. Oh, wait, snack more is not a resolution. <laughs> yeah, I can't go to the library on my resolution. I'm trying to lose weight. <laughs> now, you may ask yourself, well, if I make these resolutions, uh, you know, how many people will actually make them and be successful? Unfortunately, you probably know this. The odds are against you, but not in an overwhelming sense. Forty six percent of people who made New Year's resolutions were successful, according to a recent study. That That is a, a much higher number than I thought you were going to say. Yeah. So, but you have to be kind of systematic about it. If you just kind of on New Year's Day in between bowl games and snacks, because let's face it, college football equals snacking. That's why there's a cheese it bowl for crying out loud. Yeah. There's there's not a library bowl. (laughs) No. Cheese it wants you to eat cheese it's while watching the cheese it's bowl. So get some cheese it's. Don't mess around. But, yeah, you have to just sort of have it be more than just pass your mind. In fact, uh, we'll give you some quick steps here. You have to mentally prepare yourself to change and stay positive. And you have to set a goal that motivates you. If you think about it, um, your goal, your resolution has to be somewhat personal. That it is has true. to be yeah. something, you know, that, you know, like if you just say, well, Adam and Jay said I should read a book a week. Well, you get a week and a half into this challenge. And if reading's not your thing, you're going to go, those guys are idiots. You know, that, for <laughs> but, sure. But if you say to yourself, you know, because here's what the book a week thing will, will do for you uh, and not to go back to it and, you know, beat it uh, like a dead horse. But, you know, you get into a situation where you go, there's so many books out there, everything from self improvement to approaches for business. Um, I, I've read some some very interesting books lately about uh, economies and governments, because sometimes we get so in an uproar about the politics of things. It's kind of good to know a little bit about the mechanics behind. So you can look at a news story and go, yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah, that guy's going to get mad at that guy. That's that's par for the course. It really helps you a lot. Just sort of take a, a more informed approach to life. You you can take these resolutions and um, and massage them as well to fit your lifestyle. Yes, for, for example, oh, absolutely. Here, here's what I'm going to do, Jay. I'm going to I'm going to make this uh, commitment uh, to you today. My New Year's resolution. There's no there's no universe where I'm going to read one book per week for a year. That that will not happen. That's not going to happen. Uh, but I can try, and I will give it my best college try to read one book per month for the That's year 2023. Uh, when we do this show a year from now, I will have read 12 books. That's what I'm going to do for for next year. And my guess is without guessing guessing but that's probably about eight or nine more than you read last year yeah that's you know i'm not a book reader i don't feel ashamed to admit that um time is uh i just don't feel like i have a lot of it i've got um you know if you're a real discerning listener of this show you know i have about four careers going on and i i don't have time to sit down and read a book and i don't feel ashamed to admit that um it doesn't make me feel stupid to tell you that i didn't read many books last year um, because I wasn't just sitting around doing nothing. 
<laughs> yeah, well, but, and, and no, no, I get it. And, and I think that, like you said, you have to make these goals manageable because that's the other thing, too, is, you know, you can say I've got to lose 25 pounds. And instead of breaking it up into, well, I want to lose uh, three quarters of a pound a week. Uh, you know, which sounds like, well, it doesn't sound like you're working very hard at it, but Mm -hmm. you and I both know if you want to lose 25 pounds, that's, you know, what about 30 to 35 weeks, that's six months, you know? So it's not like, uh, breaking things down, breaking things down into manageable chunks is a very good idea. You know what though? I I will uh, tell you, I'm not going to read, I'm not going to do homework. I'm not going to read, you know, I don't, I'm not going to read little women. I'm going to read books that interest me. Um, You know, I've always, I've, 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 this past year, uh, Kenny Loggins' autobiography came out. I'm going to read Kenny Loggins' autobiography. Uh, I'll probably read um, something about maybe the history of college football or or how the Heisman, uh, you know, how how, uh, Mr. Heisman invented the forward pass in uh, 1920 or whatever. You know, I'm not going (laughs) to. I actually read a great book about. Uh, the birth of Notre Dame football and how Notre Dame football became such a national mystique. They are still the most followed program nationally. Uh, And, you know, it's always thing from win-win for the Gipper and Newt Rockney and Notre Dame Stadium. And I wouldn't have known a lot of those fun facts if I hadn't read the book about Notre Dame football. We're going to win, win, win. There you all go. All right. Okay. So, so that's uh, all great stuff. Uh, we're wrapping up the show here for for next week. I'm definitely going to have a few bowl games. Um, I'm going to do some research to find out what the corporate sponsors did for charity, either in that uh, location, that community where the bowl game was, or nationally to a national charity that they support. Jay, thank you so much uh, for the book idea. I'm going to start that this week as well. And uh, for our listeners, if you want to hear this show again or uh, any of our previous shows in podcast form, you can find them on our website, adamritzshow.com. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit adamritzshow.com.